This is episode 489 of the AWS podcast, released on December 2nd, 2021. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Sumlesh, you're here with you. Great to have you back for the fourth and final episode in our reInvent 2021 coverage. And we've got some pretty cool announcements to share. So let's get started with the topic of developer tools. The AWS Cloud Development Kit or AWS CDK version two is now generally available and this has all kinds of coolness in it. So it is available for JavaScript, TypeScript, Java, Python, .NET, and in preview, Go. And it's available in a single package, which makes it easy for you to use the CDK and stay up to date with new versions as we evolve it going forwards. Now, it also consolidates the AWS Construct Library, which I'll talk about shortly, into a single package called AWS CDK Lib. This eliminates the need to download individual packages for each AWS service used. If you write your own CDK Construct Libraries, you only need to take a minimum dependency on this single package and let library consumers choose which exact AWS CDK version to use. AWS CDK version 2 only includes stable APIs, which comply with semantic versioning, so you can confidently update to new minor versions. Now, the CDK follows the release early, release often philosophy to encourage community participation, and will continue to deliver new features via experimental APIs for your feedback. However, going forward, experimental modules will be distributed separately from the AWS CDK lib version clearly, so it indicates their pre-release status, and it only gets merged into AWS CDK lib when mature and stable. Now, in addition to the simplified packing, the CDK includes developer productivity improvements such as a CDK API reference refresh with code snippets throughout. I know a lot of folks have wanted that. CDK Watch, which gives you faster in-loop development iterations on the application code. So things like Lambda code, ECS tasks, step function state machines in your project. You can also preserve successfully provisioned resources by disabling automatic stack rollback. So you can improve your iteration time. And you can also now use the new assertions library to run automated unit tests in any CDK supported language. This is a really cool project in the show notes. There's lots of information. There's also a really great community, cdk.dev as well. And I would just check it out because if you're building, this is a great way to build. And to make it easier to build, we're pleased to announce the Construct Hub into general availability. This is a registry of open source Construct libraries for simplifying cloud development. Constructs are reusable building blocks of the cloud development kits. And you can share constructs for AWS Cloud Development Kit, CDK for Kubernetes, and CDK for Terraform and other construct-based tools. You can find the libraries published by the community, AWS and cloud service providers that solve for a whole bunch of different use cases. And each library includes documentation, API reference, and code samples in a raft of different languages. You can also find important things like installation instructions, dependency list, number of downloads, licensing information, and other helpful links. If you need more help sometimes and you just get stuck with an AWS thing, AWS Repost is now where you can turn. This is a new community-driven questions and answer service. And it helps AWS customers remove technical roadblocks and accelerate innovation and just be better in what you're doing. It enables you to ask questions about anything related to designing, building, deploying, and operating workloads on AWS and get answers from community experts, including other AWS customers, partners, and employees. This replaces our venerable old AWS forums and introduces new ways to improve the accuracy of answers provided, as well as the likelihood of receiving an answer from the community. AWS Repost automatically connects your question with subject matter experts and is integrated with AWS support, 
Customers with AWS Premium Support subscriptions receive responses from AWS employees for questions that are not answered by the community. Now, this is part of the free tier. Anyone with an AWS account can get into it. But also, if you don't have an AWS account, you can still search it and look into it and all that other good stuff as well. It's a great new version of this capability. If you're a developer, you'll know that SDKs are your friend. And there are not one, not two, but three new SDKs available in Developer Preview. Firstly, AWS SDK for Rust is now available. It follows Rust idioms and best practices and uses modern Rust language features like async wait, non-blocking IO, and builders. And the SDK also integrates with popular libraries in the Rust ecosystem like Tokyo, Tracing, and Hyper. And it supports 288 AWS services, each with their own crates, and all crates are available on crates.io. Since this is a preview release, we're providing the SDK for early access and evaluation purposes only. Our public APIs may change before the general availability release as we gather more customer feedback and learn what is most important to Rust developers. We'd also like to offer our sincere thanks to everyone who evaluated and provided feedback during the alpha. Your time, your expertise and ideas helped shape this preview release. And we're especially thankful to the Rosoto authors and maintainers who worked on Rosoto since its first release in 2015. The next SDK is the AWS SDK for Swift, also in developer preview. This has been designed from the ground up to provide idiomatic support for Swift's concise syntax, multi-platform capabilities, and features extensions to take advantage of Swift's new concurrency features. The initial release supports iOS, macOS, and Linux, with support for other platforms such as tvOS, watchOS, Catalyst, and Windows coming in the future. In this release, there is support for 268 services, including things like S3, DynamoDB, and Lambda, and constructing clients and requests and invoking calls to AWS can be done with async wait syntax using Swift 5.5+. Again, this is a preview release, and this is for evaluation purposes, and we'd love to get your feedback. And the third of the new AWS SDKs is the AWS SDK for Kotlin, which is also in developer preview. Again, using idiomatic Kotlin, including native coroutine support for concurrent usage. This has support for 284 services, and provides automatic configuration when running in environments such as EC2, ECS, and Lambda, built-in retry support, and a whole bunch of other cool authentication methods. Again, this is a preview release. Give it a go, see what you think, tell us what we should do more. Moving on to front-end web and mobile. We're happy to introduce AWS Amplify Studio. This is a visual development environment that offers front-end developers new features in public preview to accelerate UI development with minimal coding while integrating Amplify's powerful backend configuration and management capabilities. Amplify Studio automatically translates designs made in Figma to human-readable React UI component code. Within Amplify Studio, developers can visually connect the UI components to app backend data. For configuring and managing backends, Amplify Admin UI's existing capabilities will be part of Amplify Studio going forward, providing a unified interface to enable developers to build full stack apps faster. And we all know as developers, building the admin pages are the least fun part, so it all gets done for you, which is really, really good. Developers can now use Amplify Studio to set up a backend, create UI components, and connect the two together all within Amplify Studio. All UI components are fully customizable within Figma, giving designers complete control over the visual styling of components within tooling they're familiar with. Developers can import component customizations from Figma into Amplify Studio and use the component editor to visually connect the UI components to data from the app backend. Amplify Studio exports all front-end and back-end artifacts, so UI components and back-end infrastructure, to credible code, which allows you to customize application design and behavior using familiar programming concepts. JavaScript for application code, 
Amplify CLI and AWS CDK for extending the backend infrastructure. Moving on to the topic of networking and content delivery. Introducing AWS Cloud WAN in preview. Now this is a new wide area network service that helps you build, manage and monitor a unified global network that manages traffic running between resources in the cloud and on-premises environments. This is pretty cool. With CloudWAN, use a central dashboard and network policies to create a global network that spans multiple locations and networks, eliminating the need to configure and manage different networks individually using different technologies. Your network policies can be used to specify which of your VPCs and on-premises locations you wish to connect through AWS VPN or third-party software defined WAN, so SD-WAN products, and the CloudWAN central dashboard generates a complete view of the network to monitor health, security, and performance. CloudWAN automatically creates a global network across AWS regions using Border Gateway Protocol, our old friend BGP, so you can easily exchange routes around the world. Now, this is available in 10 regions in public preview, including US East, Northern Virginia, US West, Northern California, Africa, Cape Town, Asia Pacific, Mumbai, Singapore, Sydney, Tokyo, and Europe, Ireland, Frankfurt, and South America, Sao Paulo. Check it out. I'm pretty excited about this one. Another new handy capability is AWS Transit Gateway, introducing intra-region peering for simplified cloud operations and network connectivity. So now it supports intra-region peering, which gives you the ability to establish peering connections between multiple transit gateways in the same AWS region. With this change, different units in your organization can deploy their own transit gateways and easily interconnect them, resulting in less administrative overhead and greater autonomy of operation. Now, Transit Gateway lets you connect thousands of VPCs and your on-premises network using a single gateway, but until now, you could only establish peering connections between Transit Gateways in different AWS regions. With this launch, you can simplify routing and interconnectivity between networks that are serviced via separate Transit Gateways in the same AWS region. The ability to natively peer transit gateways in the same region eliminates the need to create and manage transit VPCs, it simplifies route table management, and reduces the probability of configuration errors. Using intra-region peering, you can build flexible network topologies and easily integrate your network with a third-party or partner-managed network solution in the same region. This is very, very cool. This is available in all AWS commercial and AWS GovCloud US regions. Now, when you're running a network, you need to see what's on that network. And Amazon Virtual Private Cloud has announced a Network Access Analyzer to help you easily identify unintended network access. Using Network Access Analyzer, you can verify whether network access for your virtual private cloud resources meets your security and compliance guidelines. You can assess, identify improvements to your cloud security posture, and also it makes it easy for you to demonstrate that you meet certain regulatory requirements. As part of the AWS shared responsibility model, customers often need to verify that their networks on AWS are built with appropriate controls to block any unintended network access. Things like databases should never be accessible from the internet or application servers can only send TCP traffic on port 443 to a trusted on-premises IP range, etc., etc. Network Access Analyzer lets you capture such requirements in a simple and precise specification format and using automated reasoning, We've had uh, podcasts about that in the past. Network Access Analyzer identifies network paths in your AWS environment that do not meet the requirements you defined. You can specify the sources and destinations for your network access requirements in terms of IP address ranges, port ranges, traffic protocols, AWS resource IDs, AWS resource groups, and resource types like internet gateways or NAT gateways. So this makes it really easy for you to govern things, and it is generally available in a bunch of regions. Check it out. 
And the other update for VPCs is IP Address Manager or IPAM to help simplify IP address management. Now, IPAM is a new feature that makes it easy for you to plan, track, and monitor IP addresses for your AWS workloads. It provides automated workflows and that makes it easier for you to manage your stuff. Uh, it basically means you get to move away from spreadsheet-based or homegrown IP planning applications, which can be hard to maintain and just time-consuming. And the automation helps remove delays in onboarding new applications or growing existing applications because you can assign IP addresses to your VPCs in seconds. IPAM also automatically tracks critical IP address information like account, uh, which VPC routing, security domain, etc. So again, no bookkeeping required. And it just helps you reduce the proclivity for errors. Now, IPAM provides a unified operational view and enables you to manage IP addresses across AWS regions and your accounts using Resource Access Manager and organizations. As a unified operation view can be used as your single source of truth for information related to any IP address, it makes it a lot easier for you to do all that management you need to do. And it's generally available in a bunch of regions. And the final bit of news on the networking front is the introduction of AWS Direct Connect SiteLink. This is really cool. This is generally available. And SiteLink makes it easy to create private network connections between your on-premises locations, such as offices and data centers, by connecting them to Direct Connect locations throughout the world. So the Direct Connect service helps you create private connections between your on-premises network and your AWS resources by connecting your network directly to Direct Connect locations. Now, you're familiar with that, but using the new SiteLink feature, you can now link your on-premises locations to Direct Connect and send data between them over the shortest path between Direct Connect locations. With over 100 Direct Connect locations around the world, you can create networks that span multiple continents. Once you've connected your on-premises locations to Direct Connect, you can enable or disable SiteLink for that location in minutes and it uses elastic pay-as-you-go pricing and no long-term commitments. This is a really interesting way to connect those legacy data centers and get rid of some of the undifferentiated heavy lifting of networking between those sites. And it is available in all commercial AWS regions except China. Moving on to the topic of application integration. One of my favorite services, SQS, the Amazon Simple Queue service has enhanced dead letter queue management experiences for standard queues. Now, this is the ability to now redrive to source queue, which gives you better control over the lifecycle of unconsumed messages. Now, dead letter queues are an existing feature of Amazon SQS that lets customers store messages that applications couldn't successfully consume. Happens for a bunch of reasons. Code was wrong, message was wrong, whatever. There's lots of good reasons why you might want to try it again. You can now efficiently redrive messages from your dead letter queue to your source queue on the Amazon SQS console. DLQ Redrive augments the dead letter queue management experience for developers and enables them to build applications with the confidence that they can examine their unconsumed messages, recover from errors in their code, and reprocess messages in the dead letter queue. So it's a very nifty capability, and this Redrive support is available on the SQS console, which makes it easy for you to just look at a sample of the messages and then move them to source queues with the click of a button. Onto the topic of compute, we're happy to announce Amazon EC2 M1 Mac instances for Mac OS. This is available in preview, built on Apple Silicon Mac mini computers and powered by AWS Nitro system. EC2 M1 Mac instances deliver up to 60% better price performance over x86-based EC2 Mac instances for iOS and Mac OS application build workloads. EC2 M1 Mac instances also enable native ARM64 Mac OS environments for the first time in AWS to develop, build, test, and deploy 
Apple applications. Now, developers re-architecting their macOS applications to natively support Apple Silicon Macs can now provision ARM64 macOS environments within minutes, dynamically scale capacity as needed, and go with the whole pay-as-you-go goodness as well. EC2 M1 Mac instances are powered by a combination of Apple Silicon Mac Mini computers featuring the M1 chip with 8 CPU cores, 8 GPU cores, 16 gig of memory, 16 core Apple Neural Engine, and the AWS Nitro system, giving up to 10 gig of VPC network bandwidth and 8 gig of EBS storage through high-speed Thunderbolt connections. EC2 M1 Mac instances are uniquely enabled by the AWS Nitro system, which makes it possible to offer Mac mini computers as a fully integrated and managed compute instance within Amazon VPC networking and EBS storage, just like any other EC2 instance. EC2 M1 Mac instances also support both Mac OS Big Sur 11 and Mac OS Monterey 12 as Amazon machine images, which is pretty cool. Another update in the world of computing is the availability of AWS local zones in more locations. And we have announced a whole raft of countries that will be launching local zones into in 2022. These include Argentina, Belgium, Chile, Denmark, Greece, Netherlands, Poland, Australia, Brazil, Colombia, Finland, India, Norway, Portugal, Austria, Canada, Czech Republic, Germany, Kenya, Philippines, and South Africa. If any of those countries are of interest to you and having a local zone there is of interest to you, keep an eye on the local zones page and you'll be able to follow the progress there. Onto the topic of management and governance. There is a new pillar in the AWS well-architected framework, the sustainability pillar. Now, just as a reminder, the well-architected framework consists of design principles, questions, and best practices across multiple pillars operational excellence, security, reliability, performance efficiency, and cost optimization. And so now there will be a new pillar, the sustainability pillar, to help organizations learn, measure, and improve workloads using environmental best practices for cloud computing. We understand that an increasing number of organizations are setting sustainability targets, and so CTOs, architects, and developers all need to figure out a way to contribute towards this. Using this new sustainability pillar, you can make informed decisions in balancing security, cost, performance, reliability, and operational excellence with sustainability outcomes for your cloud workloads. Every action taken to reduce resource usage and increase efficiency across all components of a workload contributes to a reduced environmental impact for that workload, as well as contributing to your organization's wider sustainability goals. And a quick update for AWS Managed Microsoft AD. It now helps optimizing scaling decisions for improved performance and resilience with Amazon CloudWatch. So starting today, AWS Managed Microsoft AD provides domain controller and directory utilization metrics in CloudWatch for new and existing directories automatically. And checking out those utilization metrics helps you quantify your average and peak load times to identify the need for additional domain controllers. With this, you can define the number of domain controls to meet your performance, resilience, and cost requirements. This new feature is available in all AWS regions where AWS Managed Microsoft AD is available, excluding AWS China regions. On to the topic of security, identity, and compliance. AWS Resource Access Manager enables support for global resource types. So this lets you provision a global resource once and share that resource across your accounts. A global resource is a resource that can be used in multiple AWS regions. So for example, you can now create a RAM resource share with an AWS Cloud WAN core network, remember we talked about that just before, which is of course a managed network containing AWS and on-premises network, and share it across your organization. As a result, you can use the Cloud WAN core network to centrally operate a unified global network across regions and across accounts. 
Now, RAM helps you securely share resources with individual AWS accounts within an organization or organizational units in AWS organizations and with IAM roles and users for supported resource types. You can share global resources the same way you share regional resources, and this just reduces your operational overhead. With this release, we are designating US East North Virginia as the home region where you can create, discover, update, or delete resource shares containing global resources. Resource owners and users can use the RAM console and APIs in the North Virginia region to share and discover regional and global resources. Resource users can also discover and use shared Cloud WAN core networks directly through the Cloud WAN console and APIs. A really great update for AWS Shield Advanced, Automatic Application Layer DDoS Mitigation. Now, the internet can be a scary place for applications, and AWS Shield Advanced is a great way to help protect against unexpected attacks. AWS Shield Advanced now automatically protects web applications by blocking application layer or layer seven DDoS events with no manual intervention needed by you or the AWS Shield response team. When you protect your resources with AWS Shield Advanced and enable automatic application layer DDoS mitigation, Shield Advanced will identify patterns associated with layer seven DDoS events and isolate this anomalous traffic by automatically creating AWS WAF rules in your web access control lists. These rules can be implemented in count mode to observe how they'll impact resource traffic and then deployed in block mode, i.e. stop it. These capabilities enable you to quickly respond to and mitigate those DDoS events that threaten the availability of your applications. Automatic application layer DDoS mitigation is available to AWS Shield Advanced subscribers at no additional cost. So you just get this, so please use it. On to the topic of the Internet of Things. Today, we're announcing the extended maintenance plan for FreeRTOS. This is a real-time operating system that's used for microcontrollers. FreeRTOS Extended Maintenance Plan, EMP, allows embedded developers to receive critical bug fixes and security patches on their chosen FreeRTOS long-term support version for up to 10 years beyond the expiry of the initial LTS period. So FreeRTOS EMP helps customers secure their microcontroller-based devices for years, save operating system upgrade costs, reduce the risks associated with patching devices, and free RTOS EMP applies to libraries covered by free RTOS long-term support. So developers can continue using a version that provides feature state stability, security patches, and critical bug fixes without having to plan a costly version upgrade. Free RTOS EMP has a flexible annual subscription plan and developers can continue to renew their subscriptions annually for a duration of up to 10 years that aligns with their device lifecycle or application requirements. During the subscription period, developers receive timely notification of upcoming patches on free RTOS libraries so you can plan your deployment of those patches across all your devices. Before the end of the current free RTOS LTS period, developers can subscribe to free RTOS EMP using the AWS account and renew the subscription annually to cover the product lifecycle until you're ready to transition to a new release. And we're also announcing a simplified free RTOS out-of-the-box AWS IoT connectivity experience. This can be implemented on two partner-provided free RTOS reference integration boards, the STM32L4 Plus and the ESP32C3. It's now possible for you to connect in minutes. You do not need a cloud account. You don't need a lengthy registration or configuration process. After unwrapping and powering up the evaluation board, you visit the free RTOS quick connect page and with a few clicks, you download the demo application and you can start sending sensor data to the cloud to be immediately visualized via a new graphical interface. After successfully connecting the device through this first experience, you'll be guided through simple project customization steps, adding new sensor inputs, and eventually onto master the complete IT device development with free RTOS. Sounds like a good over the vacation period project. 
And our last topic today is the topic of game tech. AWS and partners of the Open3D Foundation have announced the first stable release of the Open3D Engine, or O3DE, an Apache 2.0 licensed multi-platform 3D engine that enables developers to build AAA games, cinema quality 3D worlds for video production, and simulations for non-gaming use cases unencumbered by licensing fees or commercial terms. Since the launch of O3D Developer Preview in July, over 250 developers have contributed thousands of pull requests, issues, and millions of lines of code, features, stability, all the good stuff. As a successor to Amazon Lumberyard, O3DE offers developers and content creators a wide set of 3D content creation tools and a growing community of developers and foundation partners, including Excelbyte, Adobe, Apocalypse Studio, Backtrace.io, Carbonated, Genvid Technologies, Here Technologies, Intel, etc., etc., etc. With today's release, Stable 21.11, developers can build 3D games and simulations and customized versions of the engine on a stable foundation with support from the community and O3DF. Developers using Linux can now install a native version of the engine with the Debian-based Linux package distribution. Teams using Windows can get started faster with a verified Windows installer. This release also adds new developer features, including performance profiling and benchmarking tools, an experimental terrain system, a script canvas integration for the multiplayer networking system, and an SDK to facilitate engine customization with platform support for PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. So there it is. We've traveled through reInvent 2021. Lots of really interesting things have gone on. Lots of interesting updates. I hope there was at least one new thing that you sit back and go, I could probably make use of that. So again, check out the show notes. All the details are there. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.